continue today in our Gospel of Luke. The uh, Gospel of Luke, uh, one of the uh, things that Luke often seems to be concerned with is not, as you've heard me say, not always something chronological or exactly in the, when they went from this place and they went to this one. A lot of times he would just say, hey, they got here and this is what happened. Uh, not always giving a, a fuller explanation that many of the other writers of the gospel writers do. But Luke has his, his own agenda to make and point out these amazing things about our Savior Jesus Christ. And today, where the subject is entitled, ironically or not, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13 for our scripture reading. Please, uh, uh, on the screen or use your Bible or your uh, device. And uh, now pay careful attention. This is not the words of men, but the word of the living God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you? who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a servant? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
Amen. The grass withers, flower fades, but God's word abides forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, do now give us your Holy Spirit that we might understand your truth and we might apply it to our lives and help it to yield in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. How many of you men, this is for you guys, how many of you men have heard this famous adage? When all else fails, read the instructions. Now, ladies, you know why I'm not, I'm not uh, saying anything about you. I'm not prejudiced. It's just we're talking to the, to the group, to the gender of men that are very prone to be right where I'm talking about. You see, I bet many of you, like yours truly, have stories, probably copious stories, many stories that you could tell about the time that you thought the directions were superfluous, that they were, eh, you know, really don't need them. We just have this innate desire to say, we can do this. But did you know that that's how most people approach life. We got this until things all fall apart. You see, we're hardwired for the DIY, do it yourself. And we tend to want to go our own way. But at some point in time, the failure usually catches up with us, doesn't it, guys? We should have read the instructions. And at some point, the obvious becomes painfully obvious. And only then, perhaps, if we're a little bit wise, do we back up, retrace our steps, pick up the instructions. You see, they're there to help us. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's helping his friends, his disciples, because they've asked him how to pray, to learn to pray. Now, on this one occasion, Luke says that Jesus' disciples remembered. They finally kind of had an aha moment, a little bit of an epiphany, and they said, oh, that's right, yeah, John, we remember that. Yeah, people was talking about it. John had a, had a prayer group that he taught to pray so they would know how to pray. We've been DIYing it for a long time. Maybe we should do that too. So they sought out their rabbi. They sought out Jesus. And they wanted to learn how to pray like the master. And Jesus was willing and ready to comply. 
So in response to their request, Jesus taught them three things about the subject of prayer. And that's our outline, of course, today. The pattern of prayer, the persistence of prayer, and the provision for prayer. Okay? All right. They, they come, come along in the text pretty uh, straightforward. The first one is the pattern of prayer. Now, as I said, in response, Jesus gave them, and by implication, us, his disciples today, a pattern. And that's the interesting word and the interesting focus, important focus. A pattern that can be followed by every culture and every person young or old. Doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. You can use this pattern to enhance your prayer life. And that's what Jesus was doing. Now, the first thing we need to realize is that Jesus didn't intend for this pattern or this prayer to be verbatim, word for word. This is how you do. You stand up and you just kind of mutter it over and over and over again. No, it, it's a pattern that shows you what kind of things you need to be focusing on when you pray so that you don't get off in the weeds or get in some place where you're not getting the focus and keeping the focus on prayer that is effective and glorifies God and helps his people in his kingdom. So, think of a, that these are the kind of things. Uh, by the way, it's not that you can't. We say, we did it this morning. We verbatim said the Lord's Prayer. I know that was, of course, Matthew's version. A little bit longer. You notice that Luke's, again, more, more concise. But it's not that we can't. It's not wrong to pray that. That's fine. We do it, do it quite often all, every first Sunday. So it's not that it's wrong, but the real focus is not just those words. It's thinking about how do we get engaged in those two areas of these five things that Jesus is going to point out to them. So these are the kinds of priorities that should shape the way you and I pray. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't always happen, does it? A lot of times, and this isn't wrong either. Don't, don't, don't throw rocks at me, okay? A lot of times our prayers amount to just an organ recital. You know, what's wrong with your finger? What's wrong with your knee? What's wrong with your, you know, that's an organ recital. In other words, it's about, it's about things that we want to pray for somebody. And that's a good thing. That is one of the things that's absolutely good and appropriate. But it often doesn't go beyond that. It, it stays and it doesn't broaden out to as big as God's concerns. And our concerns should be for the kingdom and for the cause of God. So it's a pattern. It's a template or pattern. And a pattern, the pattern is always what? God first on the vertical and 
then us second on the horizontal. But it's always God first. And a lot of us, we tend to jump right into the what I need now. Thank you very much. It, it's that rather than, okay, let's focus where we should be focusing. Always the pattern Jesus is giving is God first and us second. Get it reversed, not going to be effective. Now, according to Jesus, there were, they were to ask for two things related to God. One, that his name would be honored or hallowed, the older version of that. To be honored or hallowed. And the other, the second one, to his kingdom coming. So the two things on the vertical axis are to pray that God's name would be honored or hallowed and that his kingdom would come, as Matthew says, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, they were to pray that God. Do we need those? Here you go. Need to pull that out, I guess. <laughs> All right. Okay. I guess we'll go this way. Um, so, where, wherever I was there, yeah, I was saying that the vertical, that that's gives two of the points. Then Jesus goes on to the three things to ask for them. Uh, number one, daily bread. Number two, forgiveness of sins. And number three, protection from temptation. So, that's the stuff where we live and work and find ourselves in need of many things. And that's why Jesus says daily bread. This is something not that you do every now and then when it gets really tight. No, you do that always, regularly, throughout the day. Continually be dependent on your Heavenly Father. All right, I'm going to see how this is. That's Hanks? I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> with a 
it's going to hold, but we'll try it. Hank's got a bigger head. <laughs> All right. Can you hear me now? All right. Let's see how that goes. So, um, so daily bread. And then, obviously, the forgiveness of, sin, of, of sins. Forgiveness before God for our sins. And also, our willingness, makes, that is made very clear by the Matthew version, to also remember those that are indebted to us. In other words, we're not, we're not just to ask God to forgive us. We are to also be willing to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ, as God has done for us. And then, of course, the last one, the third one, is the protection from temptation. Anybody here ever get tempta- tempted? Anybody here ever? Hey, every every hand in here should have got, should have gone up, or maybe that should have been been the uh, uh, more like a goalpost of yes, yes, and uh, yes again. Temptation, uh, and it's very difficult. We if we think we can out out uh, man the forces of darkness on on our own without God's help, we're we're fooling ourselves. Uh, we are too weak and too frail. And so we need to ask God to shore us up and to deliver us from the evil one and from temptation. Now, they are to depend on God for all their daily needs, including forgiveness and victory over temptation. And just as the disciples have received forgiveness, they are to forgive it, as I said, to others. Now, that's the pattern. That's there's nothing really new there, and Luke doesn't spend but just a few verses on it. But he's saying this is the pattern. These are the kinds of things that should be in our prayers regularly, routinely. Now, Jesus, though, doesn't just stop and say, all right, all right you got those five? Got the big five? Good, great. See you on later. No. He says, hey, I want to tell you a couple of stories call them parables and he says i want to tell you because he's wanting them to understand that though these these patterns are what they need to be focusing on they also need to not forget some very big things and one of them has to do with shamelessness and the other has to do with goodness and so let's see that second one in our outline, the, persist, uh, the persistence in prayer is the second point, the persistence in prayer. After Jesus laid out his pattern for prayer, he tells a parable that encourages shamelessness, persistence in prayer. Now, what do I mean by that? Normally, we think of shamelessness as a, as a negative connotation has a has a negative context normally we think of that being shameless assertiveness as a fault but jesus doesn't say that he says that kind of persistent bold shameless persistence in prayer is what you should have you should not take no for an answer in other words 
You see, in Jesus' first story, the host was in a bind, and he knew he had a friend who had come, and he had nothing to give him. So he went over to his other friend and started beating on his door, tried to get him to get up and get him food uh, for his guest because he, he wanted to have proper etiquette. Well, you know how that went. <laughs> the guy's saying, are you, cr- are you crazy? You know, they're all over the cell, probably in a small place and stepping all, all over each other. It would be a great imposition to do that. And yet, ultimately, the host persisted without embarrassment. He just said, kept pounding, kept pounding and saying, no, I'm not going away. You've got to give me. And finally, the friend gave in and handed over the bread, not because the host was his friend, he was, but because he was so boldly, shamelessly persistent. He was not going to, what do we say? Take no for an answer. He wasn't going to do it. You see, you may recall also another um, story in the same book of Luke, In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, Jesus tells another similar story about a widow who wouldn't take no for an answer. Same same scenario. She too persisted, remember, in that case she was seeking justice. There was this wicked judge and he didn't care about her or her plight or her justice. And yet, ultimately, because of her persistence, the same kind of thing, the judge says, good night, lady. Okay, you got it. Whatever. I'll make it happen. Just just get out of here and leave me alone. She, She wouldn't stop. She just bored in until he gave her what she needed, and that was justice. And that from an unjust judge. Now the point of the stories, that one and the one before, is that we should be bold, brazen, and relentless in prayer. Not toward each other, but in prayer for the things that we and the kingdom needs. But remember, of course, it's reverse order of that. It's what the kingdom needs, then our needs. Jesus is saying it's okay. Think about this. It's okay, as it were, to pester God. That's, that's, to be so bodacious and so absolutely not willing to take no. They're not going to get discouraged and turn away and say, well, I prayed, I prayed, you know, 15 times and no, nothing's, I've never had an answer to prayer. Keep being audacious. Keep being bold. Listen to what um, a, a, a hymn writer, old hymn writer, J.B.S. Uh, Moselle, uh, the way he puts this, He talks about us. Too vile to venture near the throne, too poor to turn away. That's what we should be. We we know we don't deserve to be there, but 
but we're too poor. We have too many needs. We are not going to stop. Too vile to venture near the, thy throne, too poor to turn away, depending on thy help alone. Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, do you realize that Jesus gives us permission to do what no one in the Old Testament, an Old Testament saint or, or the greatest Old Testament saints, none of them would have ever dared to do. And Jesus is saying, call on your father. Call on your father. Approach him as your king, yes. Is your Lord? Yes. But do not forget, he is your Abba, dear Father. Your Daddy Father. Whether you're using Hebrew, whether you're using a, a Greek, or whether you're using Aramaic, it's the same intimate, loving context so Jesus is telling his disciples I've given you the pattern but you first need to understand you've got to be persistent you've got to keep on keep on coming for what you need don't give up be persistent then the third element here in what Jesus is teaching is the provision for prayer jesus first parable encouraged what persistence but now his second one focuses on goodness ours no god's god's goodness his kindness his loving mercy tender mercy his goodness in the second story, Jesus uses the image of a caring earthly father to illustrate the goodness of God. Now, how does he do that? Well, to make the point more emphatic, Jesus has his listeners in the role of one's own children. He's saying, now put yourself, dad, mom, put yourself in the role. You got your children here right beside you. You love your, your father, your mother. You love your children. They're precious to you. Now, what if you started giving them things like snakes and scorpions and things like that? Would, would a good father do something like that? Would a good mother allow that? You see, the point being made is that no good father or mother is going to allow his or her children to eat disgusting and even lethal food. And the point being made is this. I mean, it, it's, it's an absurd possibility, but he's setting it up for the next thing. He is saying if, if you... You, me, us. If we, evil as we are, sinful as we are, if we would never do that, 
How much more do you think the God who loves you and who redeemed you would not do so much more to show you his goodness and how much he loves you? And a sinful earth, earthly fathers will protect and care for an earthly child. How much more will a heavenly father give lavish blessings to his spiritual children? That's what he's saying. He's saying, do you not understand who it is up there that loves you without passion and without regret? And he will not, cannot love more and he will not love less. That is your heavenly father. That's why you can trust him. You see, your father, Jesus is essentially telling them, won't double cross you. Have you ever been double crossed? (laughs) Yeah, many times. God doesn't do that to his children. Your father won't double-cross you. He doesn't look for loopholes in which to play gotcha. Gotcha. He doesn't do that. We think he does. We think somehow if we haven't gotten what we've asked in prayer, somehow God is either angry at us or he doesn't care and he's gone off on a vacation. Jesus is saying, you don't know your father very well if you think like that. You can come to pray assuming the willingness and trustworthiness of your heavenly father. Now, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, Joe. No, no, I've been praying about this and I prayed and prayed and God has not ever answered that. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he's been protecting you. You don't know what he knows. You have to trust and leave it with him. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. He is good. May not be safe, but he's always good to his children. Biblical commentator uh, William Barclay, an old uh, series goes back uh, in uh, the, the 50s, I think. Was, he was kind of pretty, uh, uh, but, but a, lot of, a lot of his commentaries really were, had some really good uh, understanding in them. But, uh, William Barclay captures this intimate relationship that we are to have with our Heavenly Father. Um, and he does it with a, um, uh, an old Roman uh, story, and uh, I'll do the best to, to, to do the short version of this. Um, in the Roman Empire, uh, they had a habit of coming back uh, in those days, in, in the time of the uh, end of the re- Republic and even into the beginning of, of the uh, Empire, uh, coming back with a lot of victories and triumphs. And there was this one particular Caesar that was coming back in triumph, And his 
uh, family, of course, and there was a big parade, and his family was was out there. But uh, his youngest son somehow uh, slithered away and got away uh, in the crowd, and uh, there was panic for a while. And finally, uh, this big uh, legionnaire uh, saw him and reached down and grabbed him up and said, hey, you can't be running around like this. You can't do this. And when the soldier found him, he said, don't you know who is in that chariot? And of course, he was referring to his father, this little boy's father, the emperor of the Roman Empire. He says, don't you know who was in that chair? Son, that's the emperor. You can't be doing this and running around like this. But the little boy laughed in the legionnaire's face. And he said, he may be your emperor, but he's my father. He's my father. My Abba father. You see, our heavenly father does not just give good gifts he gives the best gift of all and that is the holy spirit listen to as i close with uh with this uh uh chuck swindoll uh again this really spot on i think and worth worth closing things out on centuries of tradition have taught us to call this this meaning the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. But that is a misnomer. If anything, we should call it the disciples' prayer. Or better, quote the model prayer. Jesus gave it as an example of how we should approach God in prayer. Not as beggars, but as his sons and daughters. Not as owners of a magic genie, but as worshipers of the sovereign almighty creator. Not as people seeking to be in the will of God to suit their own purposes, but his citizens his kingdom, eager to see the king's agenda become the law of the land. Is that how we pray? Is that what we're about? You think about that. Amen. Father, we ask, oh Lord, you would teach us to pray. As we said earlier, reading the lines from Monsell, too vile to venture near thy throne, too poor to turn away. Depending on thy help alone, Lord, teach us how to pray. Will you do that for your glory and for the good of your purposes and your kingdom? And then, Lord, also Meet our needs 
out of your goodness. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand for our hymn of dedication.